0: Hi, and welcome back to Aegis Therapies PDGM podcast series, a podcast designed to give you ongoing information and strategies for success in the new home health environment. I'm Hal Price, Senior Vice President for Sales and Marketing for Aegis Therapies, and today I'm joined again by Mark Besch, Chief Clinical Officer for Aegis, and Dawn Greaves, Vice President for At Home with Aegis. Don and Mark, as always, really appreciate you joining us today, and I know people are very anxious to go and hear uh, a lot of the information that you will be uh, filling in for us today. Specifically, we're going to talk about considerations for therapy in PDGM. Now, I know at the end of the last podcast, I had mentioned we were also going to talk about strategies for interdisciplinary communication and collaboration, but as we've thought about it, there's so much to each of those. We're going to break that up into two separate podcasts. So we're gonna to start today talking about therapy in the new world. So Don, why don't we start with steps that agencies can take to help prepare for the transition.
1: Sure, happy to. So I would say there's a couple of things, couple of kind of areas that, that we would wanna to touch on specific to that, and, and one is to know your baseline. Um, there's been, um, with, with the information that was provided in the impact file, um, one of the um, areas that they touched on was uh, therapy utilization. So you were in one of four quartiles. You were either the highest quartile of nursing utilization, therefore the lowest quartile of therapy utilization all the way to, you know, the opposite of that. And so highest quartile of therapy utilization, lowest quartile of nursing utilization. And there was a lot of quick industry response to that. Looking at that impact file and saying, mm, you know, because the trend was if you did more therapy, um, you were going to lose money uh, in the impact file. So, the impact file, if you guys haven't looked at it, compares your reimbursement under PPS um, to what your reimbursement for 2017 for what your reimbursement would have been with that same group of patients, um, those same episodes uh, in the new model. And so, some agencies, their reimbursement actually goes up under PDGM. Some agencies, their reimbursement goes down, and some it stays about the same. And so, the, the tendency was to look at that and only look at that their piece. So, we're going to talk about some of the other things you need to be aware of in that impact file um, that can also impact your reimbursement. So that's, that's one thing. So, know your baseline and know what's actually driving your results. Um, and the second thing we're gonna talk about is therapy's role um, in the primary diagnosis support, condition management, function, and outcomes for your agency. So, Mark, that seemed like a, a good place to start with yeah, that. Yeah,
2: it, it does, Donnie. In, in terms of the, the baseline, I know we've had uh, a number of conversations about the baseline and um, understanding uh, that, the, looking at that 2017 data, in other words, what what's what essentially telling us is, if you submitted that same claim, same information, uh, same oasis, etc., uh, under a PDGM model, um, here's what would happen. Mm-hmm. And I know one of the things we we observed was this issue of questionable encounters, right? Which is um, not a good thing. Right, right. <laughs> um, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, you're the expert here. Um, questionable encounter is one that would say, essentially, if you submitted that claim today or under uh, the PDGM model, it essentially would be rejected. So there's something about that that scoring, that data in that claim that wouldn't be compatible, if you will. Is that a, a fair assessment, or can you Yeah, that's, that better?
1: Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. So, you know, in our, our last podcast, we talked about those clinical uh, groupings. And it's the primary diagnosis that drives that clinical grouping. And so under the PDGM model, if your primary diagnosis doesn't walk to a clinical grouping, there's no reimbursement, right? It's a rejected claim. Um, in the SNP world, I think y'all, would re- in the new model, that's a return to provider, yep. right? So that's a questionable encounter for us. And so what CMS did with the impact file was, they went then to the next diagnosis on the claim and if that claim for that individual so if that diagnosis didn't crosswalk they went to the next one and to the next one until they found a diagnosis that crosswalked into one of the clinical groupings so essentially when you look at your impact file if you had a level of questionable encounters you were letting CMS choose which code They were going to apply to your patients right and in today's practice we would never dream of doing that saying here's the patient information CMS you pick the code right that's up to us to be able to do and so the result was that that impact file there was uh, the questionable encounter impact so you need to know and understand for your agency um, whether or not you may have had those questionable encounters The best way to do that is to start working with your software vendor now. Um, A lot of the software vendors are already putting into their programming um, that when you put a code in today, it will let you know if it crosswalks under um, PDGM or not, right? And so starting to prepare for that now. But some risk factors to be aware of are um, we've we've gotten out of the data. And I went to the uh, NAC Summit, one of the NAC One Day Summits on PDGM, which was excellent. Um, And and they covered a lot of this information in a lot of detail Um, So first of all is knowing do you fall? What quartile do you fall into in the impact file? Are you you know quartile one two three or four? Because what quartile you fall into may link to some risk for you for questionable encounters Um, and so one of the slides was presented at NAC showed the level of therapy services, so which quartile did you fall into, and the resultant for that subgroup in the LDS file that they looked at um, of questionable encounters. And what they found was the higher you are in therapy utilization, so if you're in the highest therapy utilizer group, um, you could have as much as a 20% questionable encounter. Now, this is aggregate data, so it's no one agency. It doesn't mean if your agency's high therapy utilization that you're going to have quite high questionable encounters. But the diagnoses that don't crosswalk tend to be the non specific diagnoses. So when you think about referrals you get for therapy, you get generalized weakness, difficulty walking, right? Um, uh, history of falls. All right, so those general diagnoses do not crosswalk into a clinical group. You have to know and understand the underlying factor to the weakness the patient is experiencing, and that's what needs to be the primary diagnosis on the claim because it will then crosswalk into a group. So that's something you can start becoming aware of right now. Um, if you're using non-specific codes, um, chances are um, it is going to be a, a questionable encounter. Um, so just being a little self-aware from that perspective. and the great that that brings up a great point, Don, and
2: that is that there's no reason not to look at at this information now. Learn what you can now and and also learn uh, strategies to correct uh, the pattern that you may discover that perhaps isn't quite as favorable as as you would like. In other words, there's great opportunity to get a lot better, if you will, at at coding and capturing information that would crosswalk better or that would uh, reimburse better if you will under pdgm so mm-hmm. since the impact biologist took one set of information re-ran it so to speak under the pdgm um, groupers and here's here's what comes out right. the other end but you have an opportunity to favorably impact that so right. that's that's important to understand I think. yeah and i think it's a-
1: The primary diagnosis has to be supported by the physician's record, right? And so if you have a physician who is in the habit of sending patients, right, maybe he spends a lot of time in ALI, and is in the habit of referring you patients with generalized weakness or falls, um, we need that window of time to re-educate the physician that we need the causative factor, right? What is the underlying medical condition that is causing or driving the falls? Um, and that has to be reflected in their record, yeah. right? As the primary diagnosis. So the time to start working on that is is definitely now.
2: Great reminder. Yeah.
1: And 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 so NECC had had another um, statistic in their slides that they presented, and this was a subset um, out of uh, the Ability Network data. And so the Ability Network took a look at the the admission source and timing, um, and the relationship to to questionable encounters. And so For the ability network data what it showed was that if you were an early community admission um, that they had as much as a 34% questionable encounter code rate so that's a full one-third of your patients and so if in fact you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking to yourself hmm I'm an agency that gets a lot of community referrals and we have a shorter length of stay so high percentage of community early and um, we have a heavy utilization of therapy because we're trying to help those patients age in place, right, so get them back to their prior level of function so they can stay in their current environment, you may likely have a challenge with questionable encounters. Again, it's aggregate data. It doesn't mean your agency has this problem, but it's certainly an area that you would want to look at or, or be aware of and can be addressed right now. One thing I will say, too, if the software isn't ready yet to to start, if whoever you're using as your vendor is not yet giving you information about, oops, that's a flag, that'd be a questionable encounter in the new world, um, CMS has a grouper tool um, out on their website. And um, we've referenced this before. Um, There uh, is a link to it, actually, on our resource site um, and some of our our information. Um, You can Google. Uh, CMS PDGM grouper tool and probably it will come up for you um, in in today's age and and so just because your software may not be ready doesn't mean you can't go ahead and start running your primary diagnoses through because that grouper tool will tell you on an individual case basis what your reimbursement would be in the new world and it will let you know if that diagnosis does not crosswalk to reimbursement so I think um, another area uh, where therapy can contribute and something you can start working on now um, would be the functional impairment summary table, um, We that which is part of the new rule, right? So understanding the point, understanding the scoring of the OASIS question is the, what's of primary importance here, right? Grooming now feeds into uh, the, the functional score in PDGM, which is... doesn't today right and so is that a question that your team fully understands um, and and that they're scoring accurately Um, risk for rehospitalization also is going to feed in we talked about that on on another podcast so the the question is how are we doing with scoring those items now and do we have an opportunity Um, there's nothing but upside here because you know some of these feed into your outcome scores right and so Improving your accuracy and and how we're capturing that now um, through interdisciplinary communication and collaboration. And as Hal said, we're going to talk about that in another podcast, maybe some strategies for that, um, to ensure that we are accurately reflecting um, the needs of the patient. So it's a resource-based model. And so if I don't accurately score the patient, I am going to be underfunded for the care that patient needs. And I think that's how we have to think about it. We've got to be good advocates for being able to provide the care that
2: that our patients need. Yeah, yeah. So history can be instructive here, right? It's really what we can learn. The the impact file um, simply takes what was submitted in a prior period uh, before we even knew about PBGM and uh, and predicts to some degree as best it can uh, how that patient would score, thus what your reimbursement would. So, the opportunity is to learn from that, uh, as you suggested, uh, get better with coding. Some items that, are grooming, that really didn't impact payment, how much attention was, was paid to that item on the, on the OASIS, right? And, and how paying more attention could be really, really uh, impactful. Uh, same way with the hospital, rehospitalization questions. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. And um, comorbidities, too, right? How much does comorbidities add right now? not much right so um, are we accurately capturing the comorbidities and so as um, as our our teams work together um, in assessing and identifying the needs of that patient are we accurately capturing those as well and that's another area that that you can look at now and again needs to be reflected in the medical record so are we working to educate our referral sources that you know this is going to be critical um, in the new world for us to be able to um, to provide the services the patient needs. Um, so from the back to the functional scoring just for a second the, I randomly took um, some of the reimbursement out of the um, out of the hHRG table, right the, the case mix table that cMS provided to us and and so in looking at and again, just kind of randomly pulled some of the nursing driven diagnoses. To see the impact on reimbursement that function has and so one example is um, a complex nursing uh, case where the patient was an institutional early low functional impairment low comorbidity compared to all of the same variables institutional early except for medium functional impairment and a low comorbidity and the um, case mix or the multiple that would be taken times the, the rate, the 30-day payment rate that CMS comes up with, is 1.1936 for the first one and 1.4004. So 17% difference just because I'm a medium functional impairment instead of a functional. low functional. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about a 17% difference, that the difference in that dollar amount Um, to be able to care for that patient and provide for their needs. If we're not accurately capturing their functional level, maybe their medium impairment and we scored them as a low, we now have 17% less money to provide the services that the patient needs to get them back to their prior level of function, right? Um, There's a MMTA endocrine, the difference between community late Um, With low functional impairment, high comorbidity, and community-like medium functional impairment, high comorbidity um, is 19%. And so when you look at that, that, that's substantial, right? And so, again, understanding the impact that the variables are going to have, let's not just take one look at the impact file and assume that, hey, you know, I'm high therapy, so I've got to... Right, I've got to deal with my high therapy. What else is driving sure. that reimbursement? And
2: Donnie you mentioned earlier, you referenced the grouper the tool that's mm-hmm. available. Because in, in as, as you know, and as we've looked at the impact file, that kind of detail that you just gave us, the 17% example and uh, 19, that doesn't come from the impact file, right? So, so one might think, well, how can I learn that? How can I get, how can I tell? Um, again, you, whether you use uh, OASIS that are being completed today or uh, OASIS from a pre- prior period, to use that grouper tool, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Enter the information, and it can tell you uh, can tell you that. that and, and I think being aware or equip yourself with the, the table of the 432 mm-hmm. uh, different uh, HHRGs so that you can begin to, to compare and even create some of your own hypothetical examples just to understand that boy these are these are not pennies these are dollars and multiples of dollars uh, every uh, for for uh, for each of the 30-day periods and that can make a big difference 20% on $1,500 is notable
1: right that's a, that's a significant difference yeah and um, if you're not really geeky like me and you don't want to go out and spend hours and days in the uh, in the Excel file that that, um, was put together. um, We do have a PDGM PDGM analysis heat map um, that um, our analytics group put together uh, that allows you to kind of look across the different diagnoses and categories. Can't really describe it on a podcast, but um, we'll put the the link to that out on our site um, so that folks can go to the resource center and, and pull that document down. Uh, And that will allow you to kind of take a look across and compare those things. So um, one of the other areas to uh, get a feel for or or assess within your agency is how therapy ties to your current outcomes. And so, you know, as therapy utilization has increased in-home health, we know in general outcomes, right, have trended and improved. we don't have specific data, unfortunately, that we can pull from CMS at this point to say therapy-only cases, you know, drive more outcomes versus nursing cases. We know that over the history of PTS as therapy utilization has gone up. However, there's been a positive trend in how agencies have done on their outcomes. So understanding for your agency how therapy ties into delivery of improvement in ambulation and transfers and bathing is going to be important for you as an agency um, one thing that we don't want to do is look to adjust the number of therapy visits um, not based on clinical decision-making or clinical need and inadvertently negatively impact your outcomes. right because outcomes are important in value-based purchasing Um, they're important for aco participation right they're important for networks and markets and um, in some instances whether or not a a particular group will refer to you is based on what your star rating is and so that's definitely not something you want to put at risk so um, when you look at your strategies overall um, and how you adjust to therapy and uh, therapy delivery in the new world under pdgm um, It's gotta be a balance of things, right? It's gotta be taking a look at the uh, assessment and your objective tests and measures that you're using, your interdisciplinary communication, um, plan of care development, how that communication is reflected in the plan of care development and therefore what goes onto the claim. Um, Is your treatment functionally based, right, is another area that you need to be looking at. Um, and how well-versed are your therapists in condition management, Um, tying the documentation, both for nursing and therapy, back to the primary diagnosis. In today's world, if I'm a RAC auditor, um, I can look to a therapy threshold and say, ah, you're a high-utilizer of therapy, and if I can slice off a couple of, deny a couple of those visits, I can recoup $500, right? And so that's been an easy place for auditors to look to try to do that. In the new world, if you think about there's some, right, what's gonna happen with clinical categories, yeah. right? So as the clinical categories, the ones that are worth more will probably have more scrutiny on them. And if our physician's diagnoses and our team's documentation doesn't support that higher reimbursing diagnoses, I think we're gonna be vulnerable um, to audit right? for, for that. So we've gotta be sure that we're doing that. Um, so that documentation tying back, and then our reassessment as we're working with the patient feeds into all of that. And so I think on our our next podcast, when we're talking about strategies for care collaboration and you know delivering care in this new model, um, we can kind of delve into each of those a little bit more um, and, and talk about how to start influencing our behavior now because it all revolves around that primary diagnosis.
0: Well, thank you, Don and Mark. Another really good discussion, and I very much appreciate you taking the time to break this down at the level of detail that you did for our audience. I also appreciate you uh, reminding folks about our our resource center on our website, and that can be found at AegisTherapies.com, and when you arrive there, just click on Resource Center. So please join us for our next podcast where we will be talking about interdisciplinary collaboration and communication. Uh, it was a very interesting session. Looking forward to having you all back again. So, this is Hal Price. Thanks again for listening.